Hello, health investor. Welcome back to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. The first time I tried Butcher's Bone Broth, I knew that I wanted to have its creator, Thomas Odermatt, on this podcast. Butcher's Bone Broth is unlike any store-bought bone broth I've ever tried. The quality and flavor is unprecedented. Thomas, the face behind this incredibly healthy, decadent product, is a third-generation butcher hailing from Switzerland. Growing up in his family's award-winning butcher shop, Thomas literally has butchery in his veins. After moving to the Bay Area for college, Thomas opened Rolly Roti, America's first rotisserie food truck. Thomas's expertise goes far beyond just his food truck and his butchery mastery. If you ask him, he'll always say he's a farmer first. In fact, even as a butcher, Thomas believes in eating less meat and rather encourages just eating better quality meat and also eating with the seasons. Caring deeply about agriculture and how we source our food, Thomas has established himself as a culinary fixture with long-standing relationships with some of the best chefs and farmers in the Bay Area because of his love and understanding of our food ecosystem. He's also one of the nicest, funniest guests I've had on the show, so I just know you're going to love this interview. First, I want to share an Apple podcast review with you. Matt D. 2495 rated the Health Investment Podcast five stars and wrote, Interesting and useful. I really enjoyed the episode on gut rest and have since begun to implement that type of intermittent fast. It was actually really easy to do. We'll give more of these episodes a listen for sure. Thank you so much for leaving a written review, Matt D2495. The episode on gut rest that he referenced was number 24. In it, I interviewed physician Cecily Ganhart all about intermittent fasting. If you haven't already listened to that one, you'll want to scroll through the archives and find it. Dr. Cecily has such a unique, approachable take on intermittent fasting, so it's no wonder that her episode has become a fan favorite. If you've liked what you've heard on the Health Investment Podcast so far, I'd love to read what you have to say. To leave a review, simply visit thehealthinvestment.com slash review. Thank you so, so much in advance. All right. It's time to hear all about bone broth from Thomas. One quick note, the sound quality of this episode isn't as amazing as most of my episodes. We experienced a few technical difficulties while recording, so I did my best to edit and improve the interview, but I couldn't make it perfect. I've really realized my strength is not sound editing. Definitely, I'm going to stick with nutrition and health. Really appreciate you understanding. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Brooke Simonson, certified nutrition coach and host of the Health Investment Podcast. Here's the thing. You deserve to feel amazing. But here's the other thing. There are so many confusing messages out there. Week after week, I'm going to share tips and practices that actually work for simple weight loss and sustainable wellness because I wanna help you get healthy for good without any BS. When I'm not podcasting, I work with clients one-on-one. 
so visit the show notes to book your free consultation. And don't forget to leave a review so that others can become trim, energized, confident, BS-busting rock stars like you. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm excited to have you here and learn everything you can teach me about bone broth. Great. Thanks a lot, Brooke. Can you begin by telling us your story and your background, specifically how you got into the bone broth business to begin with? Yes. So um, again, uh, my name is Thomas Odermatt. I am the owner of Rolly Roti. Um, Rolly Roti is a Oakland, San Francisco-based uh, company. Um, as you can hear from my uh, accent, I am uh, from Switzerland. Uh, I'm a third-generation uh, butcher. I grew up um, just to give listeners a little bit of a perspective where I actually grew up in Switzerland. So geographically, I grew up one and a half, one hour and 50 minutes to be precise, very Swiss, <laughs> uh, from Milano, Milan, and about an hour south of um, Zurich. So really on the north portal of the very long San Gotardo, the, the, the tunnel, the very long 17 kilometer um, tunnel on the north side of uh, there uh, in a very small town on Brechticon and uh, we are uh, my parents uh, were um, uh, making everything from scratch uh, we're really uh, we're we're really a traditional um, charcuterie sausage making um, meatloafs and everything like that for uh for the local community and with that also broth was it wasn't called broth at that time we called it a stock it was mm. it's really like a stock uh, we did some stocks uh, um, not a lot maybe 40 50 liters a week and people came and uh, they got it and it's just something you know what we made soups, uh, employee soups, uh, luncheons, and so on. But then when I came to the United States in 2002, or respectively, I came here 2001 slash 2002, I founded Rolly Rodi. What is Rolly Rodi? That's a strange name. <laughs> Actually, Rolly Rodi is the first mobile rotisserie food truck in the United States. So I founded Rotisserie food trucks. Um, some listeners might know me from the Ferry Plaza in San Francisco, um, where I sell uh, sandwiches, a porchetta sandwich, and the rotisserie chicken and the potato. And generally, I have a very long line. Um, and it's just, uh, we're a fixture to the Ferry Plaza. But we always, we're always a culinary innovator as Rolly Rodi. We're always coming up with new ideas, innovations. We really don't follow trends. We're not that great. Um, we're, we're more like a maker rather than a marketer. 
And mm. frankly, when I started Rolly Rody with the broth, I started the broth maybe 2004, but I called it a stock until mm. 2015. I didn't really know that we should call it stock, a broth. What's the difference between a stock and a broth? It's very simple. A broth is generally much longer cooked, more steady cooking, and the stock has usually a, a middle point and a little bit less long cooking and a lighter, so not as dense, more as a sauce to be used, more as a soup base, and the stock is and the broth is really something to drink, but we can go into detail. We're still on the story. So in 2004, approximately, I started making stocks. And my stocks, usually they became like a, a demi-glass, so chicken demi-glass, because I cooked them so long. And, oh, wow. And people really loved them. And when I tell my people here that I actually, until 2015, sold my stock for a pint, a quart of 32 ounce for $5 at the farmer's market, people would say, wow, you must have lost money. I think I but <laughs> I don't care. It's yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, um, you know, I, I, I'm, um, we just, uh, cooked some nice food and we made something nice. And, and that's really what Rolly Rodi is all about. So we're, we're a very culinary, very hands-on um, uh, company, so to speak. That's such a great idea. I love how you said you're an innovator because you had obviously all of the bones from the rotisserie chicken. So then might as well use those and not let those go to waste to make the broth or the stock. Right. So, and that's what I can tell to the people today when you buy a rotisserie chicken, there's nothing bad to use those bones and and just cook them up in a in a in a pot and, uh, and make it really uh, dense and, and beautiful. So you were talking a bit about the difference between broth and stock. So what's the health difference between the two? I never really did the health benefits of it. Um, so I I really can't talk too much about it because it's also more more used as a cooking ingredient. Okay. Uh, when you talk about a, uh, a broth, so that is a tremendous amount of hidden nutritional facts in a broth. Like when we at Rolly, and I can talk a lot about Rolly Rodi, what we do and how we make a broth. So we make a bone broth that has absolutely no salt in it. Mm. And we cook it so that we have a lot of... Um, Gelatin. So we have nine grams of gelatin in our uh, bone broth. So the broth is really, it has a jiggle. So it's um, jelly and you have to squeeze it out of the bottle. You have a, you just have to really pull it out. And then we never add salt. So it's a salt-free product. And, and certainly I think salt we need to control our salt intake nowadays when we talk about 
our health, our lifestyle, our healthy eating habits. Um, so that's really where I'm, where I'm coming from. Uh, bone broth has a lot of, you know, micronutrients that, and then definitely also high protein. So if you are working out, um, it's absolutely uh, important to bring uh, moisture back into your body and it can be through a bone broth where you have a high protein. Our, bo our bone broth has 11, uh, 12 grams of um, protein, the chicken broth, and the beef has 10 and a half grams. Wow, and that's per serving? Per serving, correct, an eight ounce serving. So we're really, I think we're one of the higher in the industry. And how do we get that high? Do we use different bones? Do we do different things? No, we're not. Um, and that's really where perhaps my expertise lays. I'm not, more, I'm not too much of a health uh, guru. I'm more of a, I can make a very, very good product and very honest and very old style, old fashioned, almost forgotten technique. So how I do the bone broth is by never boiling it to a, to a point where it's maybe 205 Fahrenheit, 208, but very consistent. So I have special equipment from Europe that can hold the temperature at a very, very steady uh, level. And that gives us that really extreme um, protein and gelatin. So we can, I would use the word extract much more out of the bones. And therefore we also pull micronutrients into our broth. Yeah, I noticed that the first time I tried your bone broth, I found it at Costco actually. When I moved, I moved out to Oakland from New York City. You so I'd never seen. <laughs> yeah. So I tried your bone broth and I noticed that I had to really squeeze the bottle to get it to come out. And so that helped me to identify immediately that it was very high quality because I know the more gelatinous it is, it's been slowly simmered, like you said, and it's really the good stuff. That is. That is absolutely true and very well said. And I think that's, so I also don't use any pressure cooker because when you are pressure cooking bones, they can shatter too fast. Mm. And so you cannot bring um, that really that slow uh, um, nutritional uh, based broth as a, as a combination back together. So it's more like it's a fast pace. It's very something very shortcut, very quick, and I think that it's it's really to make a really good broth. It's it takes time. It's really something that takes a lot, a lot of time. Mm -hmm. So is it something that people can make at home on their own, or does it take too much time? Would you say? Totally, totally. They make it at home. Absolutely, and I I think that's a. Uh, that's a, a very, very good uh, approach to make bone broth at home. Um, it's sometimes a little bit difficult to get the right bones mm. for making a, 
a homemade broth, but I think if you have time and if you have, um, you know, like access to bones, I, I've, I would say you should make it at home. What types of bones work best? Well, so for the chicken, um, frames is, is very good. Uh, to, so big, basically chicken carcass. Okay. Um, wings. And sometimes a little bit of feed, but not too much. And then just um, a, a carrot or multiple carrots. I personally stay away from alums, so like onion mm. garlic. So I don't use that at all. Uh, for us at Rolly, we don't for sure not. And at home, I also don't use uh, onion garlic. Just... I want to have a clean, not that it's not good for us, but it's, I want to have that clean, that really clean flavor. I see. So when you make your broth, what are the ingredients in butcher's bone broth? Uh, water, uh -huh. carrots, and bones. Oh, wow. So three ingredients. So whether we are making beef broth or chicken broth, uh, always is the same. Water, carrots, and bones. Huh. And then how do most people consume your bone broth? Do they use it for cooking or do they drink it separately? So our studies that we have done, um, so the beef broth is definitely more of a drinkable broth. And the chicken is a combination of drinkable and cooking ingredient. And a lot of people uh, I want to say with the chicken, they do use it uh, for cooking, making a soup, making rice, making a polenta or a, a pastina in brodo, uh, which is, again, when, as a cooking ingredient, it you're going back to almost like old-style European or continental cooking. Right. Where you where you really use a broth as a dehydration uh, technique for um, for rice, uh, for uh, maybe couscous or or, mm. or just, or a polenta. Um, so as a, I, I really, really love to cook with bone broth. It is, I agree, it is a little bit of an experience expensive ingredient, but I think the flavor and the satisfaction on the health and on, on the flavor, it really, really shines through. Like I use, so when I make polenta, I, I use uh, bone broth, uh, my chicken bone broth, and I just soak uh, the, the soak basically uh, the corn or the polenta in it for a few hours. And then I just mm. gently cook and I'm very fast with that. And that gives me really that very, very deep, uh, creamy flavor. And, and, and I really tell you that you almost can only get that through bone broth, that creaminess, that deep flavor. What are some of your other things to cook with your bone broth? I mean, the traditional... Uh, soups, um, you know, like broccoli cheddar. Those are those are 
staples. And I think if you add a little uh, broth to it, uh, that will definitely elevate. Uh, broth is such a flavorful, uh, a nutritional, dense uh, ingredient that it's actually, uh, it's, it's sad that for many, many years it has become forgotten. And we now, I, I think now it's becoming a staple. And, and again, there's many different broths out in the market. And, and I'm not here to lament about competitors or other broths. But there's three main techniques or four main techniques of broth. Well, one of which we all know, it's called as aseptic. So aseptic is the broth in the middle of the aisle in supermarkets, shelf stable. Most of the time he has to have quite a high um, sodium uh, percentage, mm -hmm. so a lot of salt. And the jiggle is missing, so you don't have that gelatin because of the technique of how you uh, packaging it. Uh, so the, the, the jiggle or the gelatin is gone. It's basically cooked off. The other um, is dehydrated. Uh, the dehydration does not have uh, the chill, the gel and jiggle as well because it goes through a spray dehydration process and therefore you also eliminate that jiggle. And then the last two, uh, one is the frozen, where the frozen um, is like, when you look at broth that has been frozen, I feel like from when I look underneath the microscope, uh, which I sometimes do, um, it looks like milk. It has a milk consistency. And I don't know too many mm. people who freeze milk, unless you're a professional baker. Right. Probably, yes. <laughs> but other than that, I, I just, from a microscope, broth and milk have similar uh, protein, gelatin, and fat uh, uh, chain links. And so they're almost broken, and you can taste it a little bit when it's frozen. So it's a little bit of a taste, uh, more, more so like a taste. Um, and then there's the fresh broth. Uh, fresh broth is, to me, is definitely the most cleanest way, and it feels more like complete element of of uh the mouth feel feels much more uh complete and so i really like to use fresh broth even when i make my own broth at home i don't really like to freeze it at all so you would not recommend freezing your bone broth i i say i don't i wouldn't freeze my bone broth yeah but no other way you went to a store, a club store, like a Costco or things like that, and you bought two or three and you're not going to use them in the next few weeks. I think it's not too bad to freeze it. But still, I mean, even the ones that I have in my refrigerator right now, they last quite a while still, right, in the refrigerator? Yes, they do. Yeah, absolutely right. And then if you're using them to add to the things you're cooking, I mean, we go through... I would say three or four pretty quickly. <laughs> and then it's time to go back to Costco. <laughs> right, right. And quite frankly, Costco has the best deal. 
<laughs> yeah, they do. They really do. I've heard somewhere, correct me if I'm wrong, but do some people add vinegar to their bone broth? Yes. So a lot of people add vinegar to the bone broth so that they're, um, they believe that uh, you can pull the uh, nutrition, the micronutrition and the nutrition more out of bones. To me, mm. look, it, it sounds strange. I understand the technique of apple cider to add mm-hmm. apple cider to pull it out at the end and gives a little bit more uh, a, di- uh, a different flavor. Um, however, I don't think that you actually, and scientifically, uh, my broth against any other broth, um, I have more or equivalent micronutrients to it. And why, what, what's, the, what's the counter argument? Well, the counter argument is a fairly simple argument. So let's say if you take a chicken breast or a steak or any, anything of a meat protein and you put them in vinegar, what it does is basically it burns, the acid burns the outer layer of the meats, of the proteins. And so basically it's very difficult to pull. Of course, it's, it's very little. It's very meniscus. It's very little. It's not a lot. But it's very difficult to pull the nutrition through that burned element of the bones, uh, of the meat. So I am absolutely not, I'm not in that uh, belief to add vinegar to it. And quite frankly, let's face it, we do need acid to cook. And bone broth is an ancient cooking ingredient. It is a very, very old technique that's been around for many, many thousands of years. I would argue that actually the bone broth might be, have been invented at the same time when vinegar has. But vinegar is always pricey, costly, because he went through a fermentation process. And so I would say that I don't think the thousands of years people used vinegar to pull more micronutrition out of the bones. Quite frankly, the only way you can really clean the bones out inside and outside is by a very, very steady temperature, not fluctuating the, the, uh, the temperature between boil, rolling boil and simmering. It has to be either of those three. Mm. is not so good, but it's a technique that you could use. And then I'm curious, why add a carrot or you're saying some of the other vegetables people add? What's the purpose of that? Just for flavor? For flavor, yes. For rounding rounding the flavor. I like carrots because it adds a, a dash of sweetness, but also gives a little bit of a color, a little bit of a darker color. Uh, I like to eat with my eyes. Hmm. And then somewhere I read that it may taste better if you get bones that have a little bit of meat on them. Is that true? Or is that, did I just make that up? 
Absolutely. Yeah, that is, that's absolutely true. So if you can find some meaty bones, bones with a little bit more meat on them, uh, that absolutely tastes. So again, the bigger the bones, the more meat, the deeper flavor you have. So I use meaty bones. Uh, we use whole bones. We don't like to have them cut. Um, just because I want really, I'm I'm going after flavor when I make our broth. Right. I and then you said not to freeze the broth, but right now I have a bag in the freezer. I've never made broth myself, but I've heard that you can just keep your bones and your leftover you know, carrot stems or whatever in a bag in the freezer and then use those eventually. But is that bad to keep things in the freezer before you use them to make broth? Does that affect the quality? No, that would not. Oh. No. Okay. And I think this is a very, very smart idea. What you do is just have a little Ziploc bag handy when you do something and just, I mean, when I bring a rotisserie chicken home, I pull the bones off the meat off the bones and I put them in a Ziploc bag and make my broth when I have time. Absolutely a good idea. Very good idea. And again, I've never made broth, but I've also read somewhere that you can just go to a butcher and ask to buy a bag of bones. Do you think that that's also a possibility? Yes. Yes. You. you okay. Um, lo here locally in the Bay Area, absolutely. There's a lot of those butcher shops that have those bones. Okay. And I'm sure they're probably pretty cheap, right? To buy? Uh, no, no. Oh, they're not. They've <laughs> <laughs> gone up in price significantly. So it's uh, between making your own broth and buying a high quality broth, um, there's not much of a difference. Mm, okay. Interesting. Probably they've gone up on price since everybody is now so into bone broth, right? Right. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. I have also seen many people making bone broth in their instant pot. How do you feel about that? Is that a good way to keep the temperature the same the whole time or in the crock pot? Um, I would say a crock pot is better than an instant pot because the instant pot is really a pressure cooker and that's fast. Hmm. And it can shatter the, bro the bones, as I explained previously. I, I think the bones have to be adapting to the temperature in order to really slowly release the, the nutrition, nutrition that they actually are hi hiding. And if you do that very fast, you do pull out those nutritions, but it's, it's not as effective. Mm. So when you make it yourself, you, do you bring it to a boil first and then reduce it to a simmer and just leave it there for hours? Nope, I never oh. go to a boil. I, okay. I'm looking at those little baubles. So when I see the little baubles, then I adjust the temperature on my pot. I see. Yeah. Okay, and how long do you usually let it simmer? Oh, I really, really love to simmer it 24 hours. I also like the smell in the house from time to time. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that smells amazing. What's the water ratio you use to bones? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Ah, uh, that's a good question. Oh. <laughs> I want to say almost one by one. Okay. So half bones, half water. Right. Okay. 
Because right now I just have a few little bones in my freezer Ziploc from a rotisserie chicken. So I think I need to get a few more. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you do. (laughs) A lot more probably. And roasting the bones is a a good way as well. Oh, okay. So bones from anything that's been roasted? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So if someone's looking to buy the best broth, the best place to look would be in the refrigerated section first and then maybe the freezer section? Correct. Okay. And then on the label, it should just say bones, water, and vegetables. It shouldn't be... I get confused because sometimes the broths will say they also have chicken stock or something, but that probably just means it's not a good quality one, right? Uh, yes. So so that is basically... We, now we are entering labeling. So... Broths have two elements. So the beef broth, um, a really good beef broth has to be USDA inspected, meaning it has more than 3% protein in it. If it has less than 3% protein, it quite frankly doesn't need to be USDA inspected. The chicken is historically not USDA inspected. So although it has much, much, much more protein than beef. It's just by the federal inspection process that chicken broth is not a USDA um, inspected item. When you get into the labeling, like for instance, our broth is basically, let me, one, one second, I try to get a bottle and I read it out. Oh, okay. When I look at the chicken, excuse me, so ingredients is filtered water, organic chicken, and organic carrots. That's it. So ingredients with the beef is filtered water, organic beef, and organic carrots. The same thing. At the beef, sometimes you have to call it made out of, made out of broth or, and bones. So what that means basically is that they're adding broth and a little bit of bones to make that stock or that bone broth. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about aseptic packaging, shelf stable, those are usually industrialized, high industrialized, industrially made bone broths. And, you know, I mean, they they're serve their purpose. They serve their purpose. I wouldn't buy it necessarily, but there is a there's a retailer or there's many retailers who sell that and call it bone broth. Necessa- not necessarily that's a bone broth, actually. Yeah, that's kind of going back to what I said is yours is the first I saw that really seems more like jello when it's coming out, and all the other ones I've ever seen look like water. Real quick, I want to take a break from the episode to share one of my favorite resources with you. One of the BS messages floating around out there is that eating healthy costs too much. Honestly, I used to believe this myself. That is, until I discovered ThriveMarket.com. ThriveMarket is an online grocery platform that's essentially Costco meets Trader Joe's meets Whole Foods. I love that I can shop on their mobile app and have all of my favorite groceries, everything from natural wine to 100% grass-fed beef to nutritious crackers, everything, delivered right to my door. Last year, I saved over $1,000 shopping on Thrive. 
I honestly can't think of one reason not to love it. To save a percentage off your first order and see my full shopping list, click through the links in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. What are the best places to find Butcher's Bone Broth? I know that I, in Oakland, have found it at my Costco, as I mentioned, and then also my husband found it a couple weeks ago at our grocery outlet, which was great. But are you available in all states right now or just in the Bay Area? No, I am. I'm basically very much um, East Coast and West Coast um, based. So I have, um, we're, we're almost 7,000 stores. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> That's amazing, though. How great! Uh, and that's just within the last uh, four to five years. And I think people really understand uh, price value, uh, and we are we're really honestly, I I can tell you very honest, we're old fashioned company. We're not high tech. We're not modern. We're we're almost something's a little bit stupid how we do things. <laughs> that's okay. It's totally fine. Um, you know, uh, there's a there's a few retailers that are really worth to mention. It's like um, Imperfect Foods. Uh, they got my broth, and and I really I I see they're they're selling very well. And I think uh, uh, the more the more we can bring quality bone broth to many many people, the better it is for everyone. Yeah, I love that idea. And that that's congratulations for being in so many stores. That's incredible. I'm glad to know that it's becoming more widely available so that people will be able to find it everywhere. Yes, thank you. <laughs> are they are people able to order on your website or still it's best to find in a store? I think it's best to buy them in the store because we have a website. It's not that great and it's expensive. And it's expensive for a reason. It's shipping cost is so expensive. I I wish I could just drive there and bring it, but that's not possible. Um, so we're really trying to work with um, distribution um, companies like like this uh, Farm Fresh to You or Imperfect Foods or Good Eggs um, mm-hmm. here uh, to to bring our broth to um, to many customers. And then you mentioned your food trucks, which are amazing. Uh, you're also in the Oakland farmer's market sometimes, correct? Yes, I am. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, there's always, you can tell where you are because the line is so, so long. The newest thing is actually the VRM. We're, we're selling bone broth out of the food truck. And and we we just, because we started with during the pandemic uh, period, and I said, Look, we're selling it to almost our cost. Uh, let's sell the, as much bone broth as we can and we charge $5. Hmm. Go back to our, our bottle at our Rolly Rolly truck is $5. That's great. That's great to provide that hearty, you know, accessible, awesome food for people right now. Yeah. So we, we, we really, I mean, I'm, again, going back to the old-fashioned way. And then your company makes other products as well, correct? Yes, yes. So we make um, sous vide. So sous vide is a French technique that's uh, cooking um, 
proteins or vegetables in a vacuum pouch for a very low temperature and long to really bring that it's perfectly cooked and then it's ready to eat at the end of the process. And you can, um, we have a few products in Whole Foods that you can just buy and put them over your salad or over a burrito or, or, or a tostada or whatever, or even a non bread. It makes a fantastic, uh, uh, lunch, simple lunch, uh, for all of us who work from home those days, um, just put sim something simple, uh, easy and quick together. Uh, or, or, or drink bone broth for lunch, you know, uh, use a little ginger, maybe use a little bit turmeric and add a little bit salt. And I think it makes really good lunch. I love that your bone broth isn't very heavily seasoned by you because then you can flavor it, like you said, with whatever you want when you sip it or when you use it in your cooking. Correct. And that was the purpose. And that's really what I, I believe in. I, in order to have a product that has no salt in, in the broth, there's a few things that need to be happening behind the scene. Number one, it has to be a meticulously clean facility because you don't want to have pathogens growing on a food. Absolutely not. Number two, it has to be in temperatures that are safe and steady and long. You don't need salt. Absolutely no salt. And people can, people can always add salt. You can never take it out, but adding salt, not a problem. Definitely. Yeah. That's what I, I love about it is it's just up to you. Then it's a clean slate of bone broth and then you can do whatever you want. Yes. So where can listeners follow and find you? Are you on all social, me social media platforms? As far as I know, yes. Okay. I can put links to all of those in the show notes. I'm not one of those CEOs who has who is constantly on uh, on the social media and almost seems like they have nothing else to do uh, and they <laughs> tell us when they're on the floor and working on the line. <laughs> yeah. That is true. But you do have a pretty big social media presence because I know that you have people posting for you and it's cool to see what you're always up to. Yes, I do have uh, I do have one person that uh, is working for us uh, on social media. Oh, that's great. Well, I will go ahead. I'll be sure to put a link to that uh, in the show notes. And then everybody will be looking for your products on the East Coast and West Coast and everywhere in between, I know for sure. Yeah, super. Well, great. Thank you so much, Thomas, for joining me and sharing your precious time today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Well, that's all for today. Before the next episode drops, I'd love to chat with you one-on-one -on -one about the BS messages and methods currently holding you back. You deserve simple weight loss and sustainable wellness. So let's figure out how to make both happen. To book your free consultation, click through the link in the show notes. Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Health Investment Podcast. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. 
Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.